going on, FA Nation? Welcome back. Fantasy Alarms NASCAR DFS podcast. I'm Dan Malin, joined by the FSWA three-time NASCAR Writer of the Year. Matt, how are you? What did you think of another chaotic, possibly even more chaotic, Indy Road Course race? Uh, it was definitely chaotic. That's a very good <clears throat> name for it. I, again, only saw bits and pieces. I took my kids to the Omaha Zoo with some friends of ours on Sunday. Um, kind of checked out a little bit. Had to you know, clear, clear my head a little bit after the uh, run we've had this summer. So, uh, yeah, it was it was pretty pretty nuts to say the least. Um, tempers flared again. There were penalties given out. Although I would contend that some drivers got away with stuff that other drivers didn't. Um, and then we saw Hendrick throw their own driver under the bus at the end of the race too, because Kyle Larson missed the turn. And went full send and said he had a brake failure. And then, like, the day after the race, Hendrick came out and said, yeah, we didn't see any signs of failed brakes. I think our guy just got in there too hot. <laughs> so that's, that's not cool. But um, I don't know. Where, where are you on the discussion of should it go back to, like, Oval or should we give the Roval another try? Um, or move think, it to IRP? Well, here's my thought is that I've always spoken highly of how much I love this road course. And I think it's because I mostly do most of my DFS research for uh, the Xfinity series. And the Xfinity series seems like they tend to put on a good show at this track for the three years that they've been running. The first year was phenomenal. Uh, Even this year's great was still good, even though for DFS, it seemed like all my cord guys that I was overweight on, it seems like they were either like penalized in stage three or they had a flacco down or they got wrecked or something. So I was having a great day DFS wise for Xfinity. And then ultimately took like a slight hit. But for the Cup Series, I think road course racing in general has been, I guess, slightly underwhelming. And as much as I love the road course, I I wouldn't hate giving the next-gen car a shot on the oval. Now, I will say that there are still significant concerns about how narrow pit road is. Yes. Uh, well, the last and, time they raced the oval, we saw a 14-car wreck on pit road. Exactly. I, was it Busher or McDowell that spun at the start of pit road? It was one of them that spun at the start of pit road and backed like everybody else up. Yeah, and then somebody, one of the, one crew drag, uh, crew guy got his like leg broken or something. Yes, because uh, he was hit by a car on pit road. Yeah. Uh, so ultimately, I think if you want to improve the quality of racing, and I think the complaint now is that there are probably too many road courses on the schedule. So if if they wanted to do an Indianapolis weekend where you have you know, the trucks at IRP, because the IRP race was great. It was very yes. entertaining. It was just solid racing. Keep the Xfinity Series on the road course and then keep or just move the, the Cup Series back to the Oval. I'm fine with that. I have a very hard time imagining NASCAR would take the Cup Series out of Indianapolis Motor Speedway and move it to IRP. Yeah, I would I would tend to agree with that sentiment. Now, the only thing to keep in mind is that Indy also, like IndyCar, was also there this weekend and raced the road course. So the question, I guess, is can Indy flip the, the road, like flip it from the oval to the road course and back fast enough? Because I know that's the thing with Charlotte, right, is it takes a while to be able to flip it back to using the oval because you have to set up barricades so that they go, like, they don't just keep shooting down the straightaway. And at Indy Road, I know that they didn't really put up barricades, a.k.a. that's how you get the <laughs> the full send in turn one that yeah. got Ross Chastain penalized. Um, so, I yeah, 
I don't know. We'll see. I don't. I don't really get the drivers going. Well, it was a crown jewel race to be on the oval. Okay, but it, to me, it's not a crown jewel if you start racing it in 1996. Like, that's fair. Darlington started racing in the in the like 60s, right? The Coke 600 is a crown jewel because it's the longest race and it's been on the schedule since the 60s. Yeah, I don't see how the Brickyard 400 that just got on the schedule. In my lifetime, in both of our lifetimes, should count as a crown jewel. And in, in like, I get you want to race the oval because Indy races it, whatever. But Indy also races the road course, so that argument doesn't necessarily hold to me. Um, so we'll see what they do. The 2023 schedule is supposed to be out in like a month, I think I heard. <clears throat> Clearly, Chicago is on there. Uh, that's going to suck. Um, Road America's almost assuredly off. I think it's basically guaranteed that it's off the schedule, which also sucks. Um, is that really the only change? Like, have they recommit? have they said, because I figured we would have heard an announcement or a rumor that the NASCAR is considering moving the cup series back to the oval. I'm almost, I'm operating under the assumption that they're just back on the road course in 2023. I'm pretty sure they said that they would run it in 2023. Yeah. I'm pretty sure Ganassi, who owns it, um, or so, does Gan- no, Penske. sorry, Penske owns it. Sorry, got the uh, the captain and <laughs> Ganassi screwed up. Uh, Penske, I'm pretty sure, came out and said that they would be on the road course in 2023 because that's what the deal okay. was. And then after that, they would discuss it. Um, so I'll tell you I, what, that's going to be the case. Then next year's Indy Road Course is just a phenomenal race to really chase long shot bets. That's true. Because, I mean, so many uh, – Harrison Burton, top 10, I think, was 34. Top three. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and he finished third. Uh, Bubba, top Toyota, which which I luckily had exposure to, was 100. By the one. way, you didn't get the best line on that. <laughs> I, I didn't. Saw, I saw somebody get 150 to one on that. I saw somebody get 5,000 to one on, on – or like uh, 500 – sorry, 500 to one on That's that. That's insane. I don't know what book they used, but it had to have been a Tuesday bet when the lines first came out. And so, yeah, congrats on the two grand, but sorry to make you feel bad that you didn't get five times more money on on your bet. Uh, Anyway, so I guess the other thing I wanted to talk about is, like, what is the DFS approach that we take the rest of the season? Because it's obviously been a very frustrating uh, season DFS-wise with more variance than normal. And I have no shame in saying that I've really been scaling back what I've been playing on the Cup Series. Uh, Same here. This past week, I used some crowns to enter the $3 three-entry max contest, but I only played the Chrome Horn. I mean, and usually I'm into playing the $50 single entry, the 12 the 24 the $20 three-entry. Like, I love throwing a lot of money at GPPs, but this year... Um, you know, I'm not bleeding my entire bankroll, but at the same time, it's like it, I just haven't had the hits and it, I could blame the new car and, and tires falling off and all that crap. But it's just been a very frustrating year. And the contests on DK and the payouts, they only get worse from here on out with that with NFL coming back. Right. That's also true because we're recording this on <clears throat> Friday morning. Um, so the Hall of Fame game has already happened. So there you go. We got one NFL game in the books for the preseason. Um, so I don't know. I feel like my research and my process has been 
good. I feel like for the most part, I have felt pretty good about the plays for most of the race. And then something happened. And I don't know. There, There's not really a way to factor that in, I don't feel like. I mean, maybe, you know, there's some algorithm we could come up with that takes us into account pit times and variants of tires falling off or flats or it's just not this guy's week or, you know, I don't know. But it was... Look, it is. It's been not gonna not gonna cover it up. It's been disappointing, uh, especially since we were very uh, good last year, very hot to start the year last year. I think we had what ten straight races where somebody won at least a thousand bucks, and this year that hasn't happened. So I don't really know exactly where it's going wrong because, like, I feel like no matter which one of us does the playbook or does the lead on the research, we're both pretty well on good plays. Like, Yeah, and then I just think that, I mean, it also just sucks in general because we're coming off a week where there was a ton of variance at a road course, which normally isn't the case. Right. Like the optimal lineup uh, left nuts. like seventy what left $7,100 on the table. And it was about there was a forty point difference between the optimal lineup and what actually took down DraftKings big GPP like that. Was it forty or was it higher? It could have been like forty to fifty or something. I thought it was at least forty. It could have been more. Yeah, I thought like but what took down there, the GPP there was a was sizable like, gap between the optimal and what took it down. Yeah, the optimal I think was three twenty six or something, and somebody <clears> took down the fifteen dollar GPP with a two forty one or two fifty. Yeah, which is a huge. I mean, you're talking if it's an eighty point difference, that's a third of the points like that somebody took it down with added on. So you're only at 75% of the optimal, which is a very large difference. Um, Yeah. I I don't know. It feels like every week you've got to basically try to play a plate track strategy. I've almost started just making two lineups every week for the Chrome horn that make absolutely no sense. Yeah, and it's only four dollars per lineup, but it's like you know, I gotta try something different, and I'm trying to limit. I'm really trying to focus on my exposures because a lot of times early in the season, I was getting way too careless and being way too overweight on uh, chalky drivers, and I really am trying to the past few weeks just be much more disciplined with you know setting my exposure limits to maybe thirty five percent tops. <laughs> but we push forward. Yeah, I mean. I- Look, there's four races left in the regular season for the Cup Series. Then the playoffs begin. Um, and obviously every driver is still playable in the playoffs. That doesn't really change for DFS. There's a little bit more strategy involved in the playoff guys in terms of how they're going for things and whatnot. But, um, yeah, I, look, I don't know. Because if you bank on guys showing up in practice and then being good – in the race that hasn't always worked out. If you go based off of track history at comparable tracks for that season, that hasn't always worked out. So it's kind of like, you know, you just got to throw the narrative out the window sometimes. Cause I'd like to build lineups based off of trying to envision what happens during the race. Like here's, here's a storyline throughout the race. This guy's going to lead early and then there's going to be some pit stops and then, 
maybe some things get shuffled back and it takes a guy a little bit to get back up to the front or um or whatnot but it seems like the lineups that hit most of the time are the ones that don't necessarily have a narrative or their narrative is pure chaos and they're hitting all the time mm-hmm. <laughs> like we got to go with the joker lineup instead of the dark knight well let's start discussing michigan because admittedly uh not my favorite race on the schedule although this was the the, the track a few years ago where i had my first big hit on nascar dfs yes. but since yeah, then, we crushed uh, it in the first of the two Michigan races like three years ago. Uh, but since then, not my favorite race. It's not that I necessarily have gone back to sucking at this track. Uh, I just haven't really cared for the quality of racing. Although, who knows? The next well, gen car is, really showed up at Auto Club, and it's looked pretty good on like the non-drafting mile and a half this year. Yeah, agreed. Um, it's made intermediates way more entertaining. Um, and also, the last couple of years in Michigan, they've had back-to-back. They've had double-header races here, much like they had at Pocono. Um, so that kind of took a little bit of the luster off of the the racing, because the back half of that race was just about positioning yourself for the next day. Um, that's obviously not the case this year. There's only one Michigan race. This is the only time they're going to go to Brooklyn, Michigan, in the middle of the Irish Hills. Um but yeah, I would say that the comparable tracks, clearly Auto Club is comparable as two miles. The the tire wear here is not anywhere close to what it is at Auto Club. Um, but it is a two-mile D-shaped oval. The banking is also steeper here than it is at Auto Club, which means there's a lot more speed in this track uh, than there typically is at Auto Club. We could compare Kansas to it a little bit. You could compare Vegas to it. Charlotte compares pretty well to it. Those are generally the ones that uh compare based on the next gen car so i don't know i feel like this week is going to be a very true test of speed for the teams all right uh oh and there's new tires yeah this is a brand new tire combination right they have not run this they have not run it at any point this year except in a tire test here which uh, i think had three drivers at it i think I think Logano was one, Austin Dillon was one, and there's there was another there was another guy at that tire test. Let me go to JSK real quick and check it because they they had mentioned that on the Goodyear tire notes there. Um, Bubba, yeah, Bubba was at the tire test. Austin Dillon and Joey Logano were at the tire test here in the end of May into the beginning of June. So, yeah. All right. Uh, just two races this weekend. F1 is in its summer break. The trucks are off, which has which seems like the trucks have been racing almost every weekend for two and a half months. Um, but uh, we get Xfinity on Saturday, Cup on Sunday. It's a loaded Saturday for the NASCAR schedule. They have Xfinity yes. practice and qualifying early in the morning. And then I think they have ARCA after that. And then Cup practice and qualifying is after that and then the xfinity race and then the arca race i don't know why the arca race is after the xfinity race that should never be the case in my opinion uh but we march forward my xfinity playbook will be up saturday morning before practice and qualifying and then i will try to have updates during and after qualifying so hopefully a finalized uh playbook and probably just core plays 
that'll be up by noon on Saturday. If I if I'm feeling special or if I'm feeling good about the lineups on a building, I'll throw in example lineups. But uh, I'm also on the cut playbook this week. You are. I have family in town um, this weekend, so you have graciously uh, taken over the cut playbook uh for that i will still do the projections probably saturday evening i would imagine um and uh you know and then dan will have the uh the core blazer example lineups whichever he feels best about for the cup race on sunday as well um one thing to note though with arca coming but with the arca practice coming between xfinity and cup is that Arca runs a different tire. So the rubber on those tires are different. So the first group for cut practice is going to put out some very interesting times because they're going to be running on Arca rubber. The second group in practice for cup is probably going to run faster. Um, so just be... Just be conscious of that. Don't say, oh, everybody in the second practice was definitely faster than everybody in the first practice because it's going to depend on tire rubber that's on the track. Uh, weather for this weekend supposed to be in the mid-80s, basically all weekend there. And I saw last time I checked, there was less than a 40% chance of rain on both days. So hopefully hopefully that's, uh, that's avoided this week. All right, let's dig in. Uh, Chase Elliott prior to last week was on one hell of a run with, you could make the argument that he had three ish wins <laughs> in his last five races, uh, finished 16th on a road course. Very weird. Uh, but it was just one of those races, but he's the most expensive driver on the slate followed by his teammate, Kyle Larson. Uh, we get five drivers priced, uh, 10 K or above three of them are Chevy's. Uh, the other two being Kyle Busch and Denny Hamlin. Uh, who is the top spend-up option in this range? I can't imagine why it would be Denny Hamlin. Yeah, I don't know, man. That guy just doesn't have speed. Like, I, I don't, I don't get it. Yes, he won at Pocono, okay, but he started on the pole and won it. Had 16 fastest laps and 21 laps led in a 200 lap race or 160 lap race. Sorry, so he's he only led. 12% of the laps from the yeah. pole on a track where the pole usually does well. Um, I, I, I don't know. It's, it's pretty interesting to me. Um, that Denny is this high again. Yes. He wanted Charlotte. We said that's a comparable track. He did do so well at, uh, at you know, he was only okay at Kansas. So I, I'm not sure. Um, why is that high? But to me, I got to say Ross Chastain's probably the payup. Probably, if we're just going off what we saw at... Are you Every putting time. a lot of emphasis? Yeah, because, I mean, he's been fast everywhere. Good point. Um, but, I mean, he was he looked good at Auto Club earlier this year. A lot of the mile and a half, so like, that car has just always shown up with speed. I guess, I don't know. He's just becoming, like, an easy play every week for either PD, if he qualifies poorly, or, you know, he's a contender for for dominator points yeah exactly like i i don't know like i'm fine paying the 10k for um for chastain i'm not fine paying 10-3 for denny unless he absolutely blows the socks off the place um so 
you know, the last time we saw Denny be really quick, they were disqualified for cheating. So <laughs> it's kind of hard to imagine they can find that speed again and make it legal. Um, Kyle Larson, I mean, he does have he he does have a very good history here. He did win here quite a lot early in his career. In fact, Chase Elliott finished second to him three times in a row here. Um, Didn't he win this race earlier? Or he won Auto Club earlier in the year, right? Yeah. Granted, he, he didn't have the best car. Yeah, he won Auto Club. It was kind of, I mean, he still led 28. <clears throat> laps out of a 200 lap race that's okay but i mean yeah he did well there he did well at, at vegas um my only complaint about larson is he seems to be doing well but not dominating races yeah that's a good assessment i mean he dominated can you say he dominated the cook 600 when he led 51 laps well, I think we, we've we talked about this before. I mean, um, he led 51 of basically 200 laps because you yeah, have to start his race. Because he had a ball first half of the race. His car literally caught fire. Yeah. <laughs> and then, by the way, speaking of catching fire, Chris Buescher caught omen. fire. Yeah. He was two laps down. And two laps down two. with, like, what, 20 to go or something and somehow finished 10th. Yeah. <laughs> like, so that if was, your car catches fire, that's actually a good thing. Yeah, used to used to knock Kyle Larson out of the Texas races, and now it helps him <laughs> dominate races. Um, so I don't know. I, look, if I was ranking the guys over 10K, it'd probably be Chastain one, Chase two. Then it's a toss up between the Kyles and Denny. I'm just not enthused about a 10 three. I think I can get pretty excited about Kyle Busch. I'm not enthused or interested in Hamlin. Probably not going to be very excited about Truex either. Uh, but Kyle Busch, like, <clears throat> he's got speed. I mean, there's still the storylines regarding his contract. And, you know, will he be back with JGR? Does he end up at SHR? Uh, but Kyle Busch has shown up with speed. I mean, only has the win on Bristol Dirt. But, you know, if he can get the solid finish, which we haven't seen lately, like, that's been a big issue for him. You know, he right. finished second. Um the Pocono. Yeah, Pocono. Man, well, technically. I tell you, I cannot second. remember the tracks anymore. Technically, he finished second because he was also DQ'd at Pocono. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, technically second. But, but aside every, from that. Yeah. You had to go back to that, Gateway to find yeah. his last top 10 finish. Um, so, kind of all over the place. But I still feel best about, among the Toyotas and everyone in this range, aside from Chase and Ross, I uh, feel best about Kyle Busch. Not too interested in Truex. The price tag on Reddick is really jumping. Well, I mean, he's won two of the last, <clears throat> right? Yeah, but they were road courses. And granted, yeah, but he finished fourth at Pocono. Well, I was mostly going to go off of the fact that this car was dominant at Auto Club earlier in the year, and I understand. Yes. Like, I don't want to put too much uh, weight into Auto Club because the tire wear is uh, yes, it's night and day it's between Auto Club and Michigan. <laughs> Um, but I also just think like it's a two mile track. I think that this is the kind of track where he could have success. Is this the kind of track that you can run the high line or does it not really matter? I mean, there are kind of multiple grooves, but it doesn't necessarily, um, matter. I mean, he'll make one of the groups work for him for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, look, Reddick has been really fast, a lot of places, but I also feel like he's either going to be really fast and get a good finish, or he's going to wreck out pretty quickly. Like he's kind of, if you look, 
if you look at his, so he's got 10 top 10s this year, two wins, and his average finish is 16.3. That kind of tells you all you need to, all you need to know about that. Now, one of those, I guess it's, okay, so one of the top 10s is in the duel, so that doesn't really count. So nine top 10s is what we're going with here. Um, so, look, nine top 10s, two wins, and an average finish of 16.3 kind of tells you he's either going <laughs> to do really well or he's going to crash out pretty quickly. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, I'm fine with the 9,700 based on his speed. That's 300 less than it was at Indy last week. Uh, do we go back to the well with Ryan Blaney this week? God, hoping, I don't know. Hoping he finally gets a win. I mean, it's one year before. Right, but so here's here's the interesting issue with Michigan for the playoff bubble. And this, I believe, was a tweet from Bob Pockers, if I'm not mistaken. In the last nine Michigan races, the winner, the winner of that of those nine races have already had wins earlier in the year. No driver has gotten their first win of the season at Michigan in the last nine trips to Michigan. So I guess that makes sense because it's so deep in the schedule. That doesn't bode well for Blaney. But he's done well here before. Um, I don't know, man. There's something tantalizing about that speed and the fact that, you know, it used to be owned by Penske and Ford is right down the road. Usually the Ford drivers make it a very big weekend um, here that they don't want to lose out. Um, so there is that going in his favor, but, man, I don't know. I, I saw on DK Sportsbook yesterday that the Fords were getting, uh, like, basically plus 425 to win. Like any Ford? Yeah. And, like, Chevy was at, I think, plus 110, and I think Toyota was at plus 150. Don't quote me on that, but I remember the Fords were the longest, and uh, I thought it was pretty tempting. Yeah, 17 to 4. I'm looking right right now, and it's 17 to 4 for Ford to win. So 17 divided by 4 is... Four and a quarter. Four and a quarter. Plus 25, yeah. And they are the longest. I mean, Chevy is even, and Toyota is plus 150. Yeah. I would, I mean, I understand why, right? Because Fords in general have shown the least amount of speed mm-hmm. of the three. But you'd have to assume that this is going to be a race weekend that they want to show up for. And typically this year, when we least expect the Fords to show up is when they show up. Uh, I guess we can just round out the rest of Penske. Uh, Joey Logano's 8,800. I don't know. I think I'm okay with the price tag, but it really depends on where he starts because I don't know how that guy has two wins on the year. Um, I mean, he finished sixth last week, but then it was four straight finishes outside the top 20. Yeah. Haven't really loved the speed. I really am much more interested in Austin Sindrick, who finished second last week, um, has just been running better overall, uh, and I like what I'm seeing out of that car. And he's still... You know, just under 8K when, you know, from June to July, we were seeing top 10 speed out of that car. Yeah, I would I would agree. Um, my only thing with Logano is he did do the tire test here. 
earlier, so he does have a little bit of familiarity with this car on those tires at this track. Um, but again, Goodyear's going to share that data <clears throat> with everybody, so only he knows how it feels compared to the data that, show, that for whatever everybody else sees, but I'm kind of with you. If they're starting in similar spots, I'd rather save the money and go with Cindric. All right. Uh, sticking in the mid-range, uh, Kevin Harvick, 8400 which is a pretty nice price tag for a guy that can just easily go out there and get a top 10. Uh, Alex Bowman, 8200 He is only $100 more than Eric Jones, which is kind of crazy. Uh, but Bowman's had a very, very rough stretch. Uh, hasn't yeah. had a top 10 since the Coke 600 in Charlotte. Um, and four of his last six finishes have been outside the top 30. Now he's had some bad luck with some pretty unfortunate wrecks, uh, but it's been a rough stretch since he got his, since he backed into his win uh, a few months ago. Yeah. Actually, like five months ago. Yeah. Back in March. <laughs> um, <clears throat> yeah. I, look, I, you know that I like Eric Jones, but at this price tag, there's no justifying playing Alex Bowman over. Eric Jones right now. It's his home track, though. Yeah. It's Eric Jones's home track, yes. Yeah. Um, that's what I'm saying. I'd rather play Eric Jones. Oh, okay. Okay, I got you. I was, it's, I was, it's basically the same price tag. There's no justifying playing Alex Bowman over Eric okay. Jones. Based on and plus, didn't, wasn't it, was it announced last week or the week before that Jones is coming back to Petty uh, next season? It was one of the – it was pretty recently – um, that I think it was before Pocono, maybe, mm-hmm. um, that he was that it was announced that he's coming back. So he's got that behind him, and he's racing like it because in the last four races he's finished nineteenth or better, with three of them being fifteenth or better. Um, and he's gotten all sorts of PD in most of those races. Yeah, like at Pocono started thirty fourth, finished eleventh at <clears throat> Quaker State, which was Atlanta. Started 25th, got 4th. Yes, it's a plate track, but still, that's pretty impressive. Um, Indy Road, yeah, it was chaos, but he avoided it and moved up 20 spots. Um, so, you know, I look, I like Eric Jones. I think the price tag, yes, it's going up. I think there's good reason for it. He did finish 3rd at Auto Club earlier this year. Um, and ran, respectively, like he started 2nd, finished 3rd, had 23 fastest laps and led 18. So it wasn't like a shock that he finished top three. Mm. Um, so, yeah, that price tag, I don't, I don't see why you wouldn't take the shot on um, Jones over Bowman, given their recent luck. Uh, we've already touched on Austin Sindrick. Chase Briscoe, I think he's just kind of turning back into Chase Briscoe. Has top ten upside, but always kind of tough to gauge but bubble wallace has been fantastic recently yeah last week at indy road course his best career finish on a road course and he was ecstatic about it uh i mean he should be like two top five finishes in his last three races and three straight top tens like he's been very consistent yeah and he ran he's run now i will say some of these bad finishes aren't entirely his fault right a lot was made of the pit crew mm-hmm. which now seems to be settled because they swapped Seabells and his and that seems to have done the trick because it won Seabell a race and then 
it's gotten Bubba three straight top tens. Um, but I will say at Kansas, if that's a comparable track, which we consider it to be, he was very, very fast at that race. He passed everybody and their mother like four times um, and finished top ten. He ran pretty well at Auto Club. I know that's only the second race of the year, but it is comparable in terms of distance. So he ran pretty well there. I have really no problem paying this for he's shown the consistency the Toyotas are finding speed. And if we believe in the other Toyotas, why wouldn't we believe in in this one? Um so yeah, that's kind of I'm I'm fine with it. Again, would I be Look, I think the ideal starting spot for him is somewhere in the mid-teens. So I think you're people, still getting some leverage? Yeah, you're still getting leverage because people aren't going to think that, oh, it's Bubba, he can't do it again, right? And so they're right. going to just look for the guy starting behind him or like that are in the same price bracket. Um, so ideally, that would be a good starting spot for him if you want leverage over the field. Uh can't imagine we're going to be super excited about Austin Dillon unless he's offering some PD. But the Roush Fenway Kozlowski drivers are up next. Chris Buescher, 7,100. Brad Kozlowski, 6,900. Nice on his home track. I'm coming around. Uh, I know Kozlowski is still a bit of a wild card and more of a GPP play, but we've seen on multiple occasions that he can hit 40 plus points. And at this price tag, I'm on board with that for GPPs. Can't really trust him enough for cash games, but Busher's been getting a lot of hype. Um, Kozlowski has been giving him a lot of credit and talking to him up in the media and saying that he's one of the more underrated drivers in the series. He's in the middle of a career year. Yeah. Like it's been a very great year for Busher. Um, I mean, I know we've debated these two before, and I think we settle on Busher as probably the safer play, but I'm I'm liking how they're both trending. And Kislowski, I remember when he was getting crapped on earlier in the year about his poor start. You know, he was clapping back on social media and saying that, you know, in his first year at Penske, I think it took, you know, a while until they got a top 10, took even longer until they got a top five. And I think it took, I didn't, don't even think he got a win in his first season with Penske. So, you know, like Rome isn't built in a day, but I like the progress that I've just been seeing out of RFK as long as the cars are running clean and we're not getting a ton of variance. Right. If they can keep them clean, they've had speed in these cars, right? Yeah. That seems to be Kansas. He ran very well, finished top 14. Uh, Kozlowski, that is. At um, Vegas, it was okay. I think he got trapped back late. Um, Auto Club, I think there was an issue late in that one again tire wear was although it was very beginning of the year we all know how bad roush was at the start of the year so for kez we're going mostly on what we've seen lately which is more consistent speed and again i will probably lean towards having more busher than kez but the home track and and yes it is a home track for Kislowski, he does want to win at his home track because no Michigander has ever won at Michigan. Mm-hmm. Um, Is that what they're called, Michiganders? Yes, um, unless you're from the Upper Peninsula and then you're a Ubers. Uber. Yeah. Um, that was geography facts with Matt <laughs> Um But my concern with that is if it gets late, he might push to try to make a move to win, and it may not go in his favor is my only concern. With 
with Kez, because we've seen late race pushes not work so well for him elsewhere, <laughs> like Daytona last year. <laughs> uh, dipping below Kez, we're entering this very interesting tier of drivers under yeah. 7K, and you could make an argument for a lot of them. I'm actually, and I'll I'll just list them off. Eric Almarola, 6,800. Ricky Stenhouse Jr., 6,700, who has six top tens on the year and had I want to say this is a track that can play to his strengths. Ty Gibbs is 6,600, and we know he's in the 45 again. Um, you know, still getting his feet wet, uh, but he does have a pair of top 20s in the first two races that he subbed in for Kurt, Kurt Busch. Michael McDowell, 10 top 10s on the season, which is career best for him, too. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's more than uh, Eric Jones, Kurt Busch, but Kurt's missed a few races. Cindric, Dylan, Busher, Hamlin, Byron. Um, yeah, incredible year for Michael McDowell. I mean, this range, this 6K range, uh, I mean, we're getting a Cup Series debut from Austin Hill. Cole Custer probably on the outs is 6,200. I, I think people are done entertaining the idea of playing Cole Custer. Yeah. Uh, but just a loaded range of pretty good value plays here. Yeah, Harrison Burton. By the way, Ty Dillon in the comparable tracks this year has finished between 13th and 20th in all of them. Okay. So there's that. We get Graxon back again. Um, we get, you know, Austin Hill. I don't – look, I don't know how well he's run in lower series. It is a third RCR car. Let me check. Um, I don't know if we – like – are we trusting the equipment or are we trusting the drivers more with RCR? Because it feels like we're making a pretty distinct thing that we're trusting the drivers more. Because we like Reddick, but we don't like Dylan, and they're in, ostensibly in the same equipment. Right? Uh, so I don't know. I feel like Reddick's probably the only RCR driver that I would want any interest or exposure to. Right. I mean, um, I think Austin Hill is going to just try to keep the car clean in his Cup Series debut. He did win the Truck Series race here back in 2019, finished 12th here in 2020 and 19th in 2018. Obviously has not raced the Xfinity Series at Michigan yet. Right. So it's a pretty steep learning curve going from the trucks to the Cup Series because they drive completely differently. Arrow on the vehicles are totally different. Driving style, totally different. Um, now you're talking about the next-gen Cup car. So braking points are different. Throttle is totally different so i'm not not that high on austin hill simply because i just don't usually like playing guys in their debuts unless it's ty gibbs um but speaking <laughs> of ty gibbs i think he's going to be pretty popular at 6600 on dk yeah. Bandul's a little more interesting because he's priced right near kurt bush on Bandul, um right at like i think 7800 and kurt was like 82 um so that's a little interesting to me that DK went the cheap route and we've seen two top 20s from, from Ty Gibbs. I will but, say it seems like the strategy for Gibbs uh, so far in two cup races is like they just they just want to minimize mistakes with him. Like they haven't I don't feel like they've been incredibly aggressive in what they're letting him do. And so I'm hoping that you know, if he is going to, if Kurt's going to keep missing some races, I would like to see the training wheels come off Gibbs a little bit. I understand he's still very young. I don't even think he's 20. Um, I think you're, I think you're right. I think he's 19. Yeah. And so I understand that there's some hesitancy, but I would, I would like to see them maybe let him 
drive the car a little more. He's two races in. He's as much as we can complain about him being a bit of a brat and, you know, basically just being gifted uh, his seat. Like he is a very good driver. Uh, yeah. And, and I, he strikes me as a, as a kid that can learn very fast. And I would like to see just more flexibility in the team and the organization, just letting him like, just see what he can do. And maybe I'm not saying he's going to like get a win like he did in his, in his Xfinity series debut, but I would love to see just, a top 10, but it's not going to come at low ownership. No. And this price tag doesn't indicate that he'll be low owned. I think he'll be one of the more popular guys. I think Eric Almarola is a sneaky good play here this week. I really do. If you go back to early in the year when they raised at auto club and Vegas, which are two comparable tracks. Also, he ran well at Kansas. Um, I think he's a sneaky play. This week. Also, he's done well at Michigan in the past, too. Um, I'm pretty sure that Eric Amarola was the key to you taking down one of your big pays a few uh, a few Michigan races ago. I think it was him and Suarez. Like, yeah, because he finished back-to-back sixth-place finishes. Um, like, yeah, he, he's, run, he's run pretty well at Michigan. So... I think I think a lot of people just have him pegged as a, and for the most part, I've been feeding this narrative too that he's a short, flat track type guy. But yeah. I think being in a Ford, being in a track that he's comfortable at, this could be a sneaky spot for for Almarola. Uh, let's see, August twenty twenty, yeah, finished sixth. Um, it's not his only top ten. Back in twenty eighteen, he finished seventh. So. I think there's some appeal there. Um, Cole Custer, not interested. No. Um, I don't know. Just I have a hard time just getting off Justin Haley. I understand, like, he's not breaking the slate, but if you look at his DraftKings profile, he's rarely killing you. I mean, yep. in his last three races, and granted, at 5,900, he's not uh, hitting immense value, but 23 points, 26, 28, 57, 28. You know, he, he does have some 30- and 40-point performances on the year. Um, and it's a big track. I feel like this is a track that if the college cars can find the same speed that they had earlier in the year, I mean, we've, we've said it a couple of times, like Haley just shows up with an absolute rocket at practice and I could see it happening this weekend. Agreed. Um, I'm still on the Todd father train with Todd Gilliland. Yeah, I get that. That price tag is too cheap. He dropped. Yeah, that's stupid. He went down to a hundred dollars on DK from a top four finish at Indy road last week. Like, he's cheaper than he was when he finished 27 at Pocono. He's, like, way cheaper than he was when he pulled off a top 17 at Atlanta. It's just insane. Like, if you go back to, he's almost $1,000 cheaper than he was at Auto Club when he started 26th and finished 20th. Yeah. Um, and Vegas started 30th, finished 23rd. He was 5400 He's cheaper this week than he was then. Uh, you know, it's just, I don't know what they're doing with the Todd, with, with the Todd father pricing. Uh, <clears throat> well, it's look, just like, it's, because you have to consider like what Michael McDowell's doing. Cause that's, it's the same equipment and McDowell right. obviously has far more experience and is more likely to rip off the better results. But if we're going to give attention to McDowell at right. 65 with his top tens, and we have to give some love to Todd Gill and he only has two top tens on the year and he. Granted, one of them was last week where he finished fourth. 
Uh, yeah, but he also started nights, really so good. it's not yeah. like it's not like he wasn't up there. Like the whole, it's not like he started thirtieth and twenty-seven guys wrecked out and right. he just benefited. Like, yeah, I, I don't know. I feel like the below seven K is going to be where the slates are won and lost. Yeah, and it all depends on where everyone practices and qualifies as well. Right. Obviously, there's going to be there could wind up being some chalk plays down here. If somebody spits the bit and qualifying and gives you all sorts of PD, then you know we're you know looking at chalk down here, especially to go get. I don't even think you need like two high priced guys. I think it's a pretty interesting slate. Well, how many laps are there for this race? There are 200 laps. So that's a max of 140 dominators. I mean, I'm most of my builds are probably going to be spending up for a couple dominators. Yeah, now, I wouldn't expect go ahead. too many cautions. I mean, I know it's a new tire, but I think we're far enough into the year that people know not to put the PSI too far down and blow tires. And tire wear isn't a massive concern here. Right. Um, and we haven't really seen a tire fall off in the last few races. Um, so I think they're getting better about that too. So I I don't know. Normally Michigan is a relatively clean race. It's usually about who has the most pure speed for the long run. Um, so I think this is a pretty interesting pricing slate for, because there's, there's multiple places to go at each $1,000 increment. And that makes it, pretty interesting to build from yeah i have to familiarize myself with the fandle pricing this week because uh i did the examples last week and uh, it was my first time even logging on to fandle i want to say in probably three months yeah i still get emails every time i log on to fandle because their security is nuts but <laughs> um yeah i mean fandle pricing is kind of a free-for-all because you can generally fit like four dudes over ten thousand without an issue because there, I mean, you can fit basically every, if you average ten thousand a dude, you can fit the lineup. So there's, it's always so like you can. Last week when I was building lineups for the examples, like it just seemed, it was just easy. And granted, the race went to crap, and like neither none of the lineups like cashed. But I almost felt better leaving money on the table than trying to spend every dollar that FanDuel allows you. Right, because you're like, well, I really like. Like, um, I don't know. Let's just say Harrison Burton or or Ty Dillon, for example. Ty Dillon's always in, like, the $4,000 range on Pandle. Yeah. Your average driver salary on Pandle is 10000 So if you play Ty Dillon, you can get two dudes that are, like, 13000 without any issue. I mean, hell, if you play a $7,000 probably Eric Jones, you can get two $13,000 dudes. Like, the pricing on Pandol is a little ridiculous, in my opinion. But it has been since they came out with the sport. And so, yeah, I'm with you. It's all about more so what can you leave on the table and feel good about on Pandol than trying to spend every last every last dime and pack it full of the bigger name dudes. Uh, any drivers or strategies that we missed? I feel like that was kind of a good summary of everything i mean granted everything's going to change tomorrow when we find out where everyone's starting 
Yeah, I would say so. You're gonna want you're gonna want a lap sled dominator. Usually at Michigan, it's one guy that leads a, a good chunk of the laps, and then everybody else kind of follows in behind him. Um, if you're looking back at data, I would not look back at the last couple of Michigan trips <clears throat> because they were double headers and they did the inversion, so it's going to throw off average finishes and who got to lead laps and who didn't and all that good stuff. Um, but typically speaking, it's usually a clean race. Not a ton of cautions at Michigan. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of your standard intermediate strategy where we're going to kind of go with one dominator and then we're going to go with guys that can finish relatively well. As for the passing, I don't really know how well the passing is going to work here. Like, we've seen passing be great at most of the intermediates. But Michigan can be a different animal when that you know, compared to other intermediates, usually speaking. So we'll see. It might be it might be a race in which you get like three or four or five cars just run away from everybody else. Um, but that happens sometimes. Sometimes students show up with the best papers and they, they just dominate everybody else, right? Like <laughs> we, we see it in every other form of sports. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of the strategy I would I would all right. Well, good stuff as always, Matt. Thank you for your time. Best of luck to you and best of luck to the FN Nation at Michigan.